Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for another episode of our Marketing Ops Confessions. Uh, today, and hopefully in a couple minutes, whenever the Wi-Fi in San Francisco allows it, we'll have uh, Ashley Zhang join us on the stage. Uh, so Ashley is uh, Marketing Ops at Asana. Uh, before that, she was at Iterable. Uh, so for those who don't know, Iterable is uh, an awesome um marketing uh platform and um yeah uh, with a like a strong kind of like b2c and b2b component in terms of their uh the customers they serve and for those who don't know either asana uh does a million of different things but um like we internally at math could use it for project management so they're an awesome tool that has a very deeply ingrained uh product-led growth, uh, go-to-market strategy from the very start. So I'm really excited to have um, Ashley join us and um, talk about how uh, Asana deals with like, this strong duality of having a strong kind of self-serve funnel and using that self-serve funnel in part to feed a um, sales-driven go-to-market motion, which is actually something that Asana started fairly uh, late given their level of maturity. And ta-da, here is Ashley. We we are back. AT&T is finally working again for to oh some God. extent, I guess. One of those days. It's cloudy in San Francisco, so I guess we're not getting the, the full coverage we should uh, with the Wi-Fi. Um, but anyway, so we're super excited to have Ashley join us today. Um, for those who've been here before, you kind of know the drill uh, for those um, for whom it's the first time, welcome. Uh, please uh, feel free to use the chat, introduce yourself, um, chat with other folks. I mean, the cool thing is we have a really strong community of marketing ops uh, folks that are out here. So definitely recommend connecting with the people that you have here. Uh, they have awesome uh, knowledge and things they can share. And also uh, during the, um, the chat we'll have today with Ashley, we'll be taking questions that you folks have. So please use the questions tab that you have in Livestorm. Ask whatever questions you have. You can upvote questions that were um, shared by someone else. And what we'll do is as we go through the conversation, we'll actually pick questions that are relevant with the topic. And if there's anything that wasn't necessarily directly relevant to the conversation we're having, we'll address those in uh, a bit of an FAQ or Q&A session towards the end. So again, Excited to have everyone here. There's a bunch of folks that um, that are repeat. Uh, so always happy to see that you're coming back, which hopefully means that you're getting value from this, uh, aside from the awesome uh, lunch that is on Mad Kudu. So with all of that said, uh, let's get started. And I guess, uh, Ashley, to um, kick it off, I would love to um, have you maybe share uh, with the crew out here uh, what is the extent of your role as marketing ops at Asana? I tried to give a bit of a background story on Asana, but happy for you to share anything of that sort to kind of ground the conversation there. Yeah, definitely. 
So my title at Asana right now is marketing operations manager and it's kind of a very broad role. So uh, in the beginning, I focused a lot on system tooling, implementing a lot of the systems, setting up scoring model, attribution model and all that. Um, but now there is also a strategic focus of this role where I'm currently working with our marketing team and our sales team to overall improve our MQL to opportunity conversion rate and this lead generation motion overall. What can we do? to make it um, three acts the results that makes sense and and maybe if we talk I, I was briefly hinting towards uh, the kind of like duality of the funnels and and almost like what makes MQLs at Asana was this idea that there's a very strong and historical go-to-market motion with uh, a self-serve channel that almost mimics a b2b to c dynamic and there's a kind of growing part of the business that is more of that traditional direct sales MQL motion. Um, maybe can you tell us uh, a little bit about that and how your role fits within these two funnels? Yeah, definitely. So a little background information about Asana overall. So Asana has a very, very strong brand presence. Um, very very lucky and also um thanks to our content and branding team overall so that said we do have a self-serve model that functions more as a b2c company um so the flow is you have a group of marketing marketers who drive um uh, all sorts of like B2C campaigns, um, paid social, paid search, and all that tactics. Um, and then the results, the KPIs of that flow is we have high value signups, we have trials. So those also kind of contributes to the product lead and this, uh, what we call inbound motion where leads come to us um, from mostly the website um, and then um, our sales team closes them. So then we wanted to, um, I would say like a couple of years ago, Asana stood up this new motion to focus more on direct sales. So where um, B2B marketing really plays a role. So, and this is also when lead generation comes into the place. Um, and there is a connect between self-serve and lead generation overall, so, uh, sales direct, um, I would say. But overall, we're still trying to figure out when do lead generation actually comes in and where is that connection point? So, and this is also where I come into the picture. So even back to your question about AMQL, what really is AMQL? So when we first stood up the program, it's still a very traditional like demand gen way of thinking. So we look at lead marketing, um, performance and engagement level, and that's all the different programs, events, webinars that we do. Um, and at the same time, we look at who these people are, um, the ICP and all that. So right now, what we're trying to do is to figure out how do we really connect the two worlds? There's also this whole product world um, that also determine where they are in the buying journal. Um, and all of those big questions we're, we're trying to figure out right now. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, one of the issues that I find very common in companies that have this strong um, self-serve and more direct sales motion is how do you make sure that KPIs are aligned, right? Because typically the growth team that's going to be in charge of the more self-serve funnel is going to be optimizing for trial signups. And then from a demand gen perspective, like the goal is to get trial signups that actually carry enough potential to generate pipeline. So how um, how are maybe some of the KPIs broken to make sure that we're not just generating like B2C signups from a trial perspective, but there's also like high potential in there? Yeah, so I think 
regardless of what motion you work on, there is this North Star goal and metric that everyone cares about. And that's very straightforward. That's just revenue. So overall, we care about how much. So before deals close, we care about pipeline. Um, and then for pipeline, we have targets for subserve and we have targets for revenue, sorry, for um, direct sales. Um, and of course, there's more layers and nuances into that. Um, so if we think about that self-serve flow, um, they have a quicker um, lifecycle journey in the sense that signups are, relatively speaking, pretty uh, pretty much faster than like the entire cycle of closing a really big deal. Um, but of course, those short-term metrics help you figure out, okay, how our programs are running. But ultimately, you care about, okay, what does that really contribute to revenue? That makes sense. Um, and so, so when you look at the, uh, the trial signups and maybe we can, we can break this into what, what is the, what are the multiple definitions of an MQL at Asana? Like, how do you think about the fact that not all MQLs look the same? Yeah, definitely. So we are so, as marketing professionals, we're so used to the concept of MQL. I recently went into this philosophical question of myself, like what really is MQL? So if you really think about it, marketing qualified leads, ultimately it's qualified leads who we think are ready to enter the buying circle cycle. So if we pass them over to the sales team and then um, they think, okay, this lead is really likely to convert and that's a good quality lead. And then if that is the definition that we ground ourselves in, there is actually a lot of channels that actually contribute to that and marketing plays a role in each one of those channels. So as I mentioned, there is the, um, what we call like inbound where leads come from our website, um, trials, um, signups, and all these leads are driven by a lot of the growth marketing team um, here at Asana. And then we have, of course, this um, direct sales business where, where revenue marketing team who runs demand generation campaign, all the webinars, all the events that we do based on the different engagement level, who those people are, they're also good leads. And at the same time, we have PQLs. Um, and then, of course, that's another big trendy topic where we're trying to find um, the, the, the connect between like marketing leads and then product leads. Um, so that's one category. And of course, sales also do their own outbounding. Got it. So, so it sounds like essentially you're saying there's your, there's PQLs that can become MQLs. Those are product leads that are using the product enough and are high value enough that they would qualify to be handed over to sales. There's your typical lead gen revenue marketing kind of like uh, webinars, all that stuff. And then I assume there's also your typical inbound, like people requesting like business trials or uh, coming to to contact us. Um, and that's kind of the three main pillars for what would make a, an MQL. Yes. Um, and it's very interesting because we're seeing, we're starting to see product leads and marketing leads merging together. So that's it. We have a lot of product qualified leads based on a couple of actions that they have done uh, with the product itself. Um, and then we've also noticed that those are also the leads who tend to engage more with marketing campaigns. They want to register for a webinar. They are interested in learning more about Asana on the website. So there's kind of like a mix in between marketing behaviors and product behaviors. That makes sense. Um, and and I guess for for each of those, you're uh, this is something that you were kind of mentioning in the in the conversation we were having, right? So. In, in what makes uh, an MQL where you're always considering there's an element of the fit of like how good of a fit they are for like the 
whatever sales is going to sell versus like whatever is going to be bought by swiping a credit card and then like how engaged they are. That's correct. Yeah, that is correct. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, maybe, and there's an awesome question that was just asked by, uh, by Adam in the chat. And, um, I know this is something that I've heard a lot with products that have very strong virality inside companies. And especially I think like product, any kind of collaborative product, I find that it very often happens that there, these products would be, can be brought in by consultants and like larger projects. And so the kind of affiliate science slash um, kind of reseller uh, or referral model becomes big. Um, curious to hear, yeah, what um, what role that plays at uh, Asana today? Yeah, definitely. So it's a really good question, and um, even thinking about a like a from a team structure perspective, like we have a lot of different marketing functions. Um, so there is the growth marketing that I just mentioned, who really. Um, owns that um, self-serve flow. And then there is the revenue marketing who works with sales closely on driving those direct sales pipeline. And then we also have our engagement marketing team who runs a lot of the community programs um, or those ambassador programs to really develop those uh, really, really strong and loyal customer uh, Asana customers. Um, and then it's actually a really good cycle where you develop the really strong ambassadors who bring on more people into Asana and then the other teams or the other uh, functions um, or the other funnels identify those users and then it's like a really good cycle. And a very good example is people change companies, but who they are, what they like to use, don't change. So mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of these cases where people are such strong Asana customers. So every time they switch to another role, the first thing they do is like, okay, how do I get my team onboarded uh, with Asana? Got it. And today are there, <clears throat> sorry, any, uh, is there any kind of partner marketing where, for example, let's say you had some kind of arrangement with Deloitte and whenever like Deloitte goes into a project, they're actually going to run uh, or have the custom their customer kind of use asana for the project management and then that's that kind of embeds asana slowly into that company and then the use it grows yeah definitely we have a partnership slash channel function um, but they don't sit on the marketing team ah interesting so what team do they sit on i think they sit on the overall revenue team that's super interesting okay um yeah yeah and that I mean, it, it makes sense. And I think that's, it's definitely one of the big things that I encourage every company that has a strong kind of virality in their product to figure out what are those like channels and partners that can accelerate the the growth, especially into like target accounts and things like that, where the initial kind of self-serve journey is typically much harder to, um, to kickstart. And that kind of leads me to a bit of the, the next question. So we've been so far talking a lot about uh, leads and I guess like individual level um, users, right? But how um, how does the marketing ops team and how does marketing today function from uh, an account level perspective, right? Do you have any kind of account grading or figuring out which accounts are ready for conversion or upsell or any of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's very unique for Asana. Um, so for, and also when we talk about account-based marketing, what are, what we're really talking about is there are a couple of strategic accounts that we really want to break into. Um, so that's your way of thinking. So with that, with that being said, I think we definitely have a ABM um, practice right now. 
um, but it's very limited to a specific company segment. Um, so, and where Asana right now is at, so there are, of course, like every company is, have a lot of um, really good accounts or specific industry or uh, firmographics of accounts that we want to go after. And that's where we do a lot more ABM and account focused campaigns. Um, but if say we want to focus more on SMB or even mid market, sometimes we have such a big user base. Um, we are in the progress of identifying the trends of who are these people that um, are really loyal Asana users and who they are and what kind of companies they work at so that we can also develop that cycle. Makes sense. Um, and, and actually Zach, uh, has an awesome question, uh, since he, he runs demand gen also for one of these companies, like strong PLG focus. And he's asking how many accounts you typically have in these, uh, ABM campaigns, if you know, kind of like how, what's the range is it like super narrow or like hundreds of companies. Yeah, so right now what we are focusing on for um, ABMs, we specifically work with enterprise campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a very tight relationship between the enterprise marketer as well as the different enterprise teams. So, so far for the programs that we are doing, I would say the focus is relatively speaking narrower. Okay, and, and that uh, ABM team sits in, I assume, falls under the revenue marketing part we were talking Correct. about, like what generates the, the MQLs, that makes sense. And um, from a KPI perspective, this is another one that generally people kind of struggle with, right, is, is the goal to generate um, like product penetration within the account or um, like demo requests? And if it's both, like, how do you kind of deal with the fact that sometimes it's going to take longer and we want people to sign up before they potentially request a demo? From those ABM campaigns? Yeah, exactly. From overall? the yeah ABM campaigns. Yeah. So for ABM campaigns, we actually don't run kind of like um, that many demo specific um, campaigns. At least that's not the goal for now. What we want is just very straight up pipeline and meetings booked. Got it. So it's less about education to get them into the product and more. Um, no, at least now from the uh, revenue marketing's perspective, that's not the focus as of now. Okay. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. And um, and then from a, I guess, looking at the um, the database kind of, uh, you know, all the product users and all the folks interacting with Asana is, um, do you have initiatives to, extract value from that at the account level and figure out, oh, like we don't have maybe a PQL within this account, but there's five people that are active. How do we surface that to the sales team? Is that something that you folks are currently working on? Yeah, definitely. So we have this concept of account health score, and that's looking at a lot of different criteria. Um, and one focus that the team overall is thinking about is how do we really use product behaviors and different marketing signals to identify accounts that actually have a lot of white space. So they have a lot of potential. They might already have users um, that are currently on the plan, but thinking about the potential and how much more we can gain. Um, and then that's something that we're currently working on um, and is a um, priority across the team. Makes sense. Um, and I think you were sharing, this is something that you're currently working with your internal data science team, even to help figure out what are the right kind of signals and, and ways to identify these accounts that are ready to, to be handed over to sales. 
Correct, definitely. So one one initiative that's really cool is we're trying to figure out what signals can indicate that a free user is actually more likely to upgrade to a paid plan, and what mm -hmm. are those signals um, from a product usage um, perspective, from a uh, company from a graphics perspective, and also who that people, um, who that uh, that person really is. Right, that makes sense. And so maybe jumping a little bit into, uh, I guess the uh, um, the sales topic, right? Because so one of the things you were sharing that sales and this kind of direct sales motion is something relatively new uh, at Asana. And and maybe um, can you tell us a little bit about the um, like the way that direct sales motion is structured and how it relates to marketing. Cause I think you folks have a fairly unique, uh, even like org chart when it comes to that. Yeah. So, uh, we have a self-serve team. This is on the revenue side of things. We have a self-serve team. Um, and then that team is very small and nimble, uh, we're a lot, uh, wearing a lot of hats. And then for this overall revenue org, uh, we are a region at, at least that's for now we're a region first. So Asana, um, is a global company and we have different offices. Um, so each region has their own um, revenue team and then each region has their own regional marketing team. So the agenda and the priorities are also a little different uh, in that sense. But in terms of uh, the revenue team structure itself, um, there is different segments um, and then there's different motions within each segment. So which team is actually focusing on closing the inbound leads that are more likely to convert and which teams are actually more high um, a little more experienced trying to figure out the uh, proactive outbounding. That makes sense. And and maybe on, on that front, right, how um, how do you think about that outbounding, right? Because I think that there's something there where with companies that have a very strong product culture, that there's something that almost feels inherently dirty of having a, a rep reach out to a product user to try and sell them the product. And you also don't want to... Um, you know, damage the the product experience by having this what might seem like a clunky um, kind of sales outreach. So curious to hear how have you folks thought about doing this outreach and making it fit into uh, a journey that holistically makes sense? Yeah, so it's, it's funny that you use the word outbound and outbound, I think, is also one of those words that has lost its original meaning and to different people it means different things, which is very interesting. Uh, and internally, we even have that challenges and people think about outbounding in different ways. And then you think you're speaking the same language, but you're really not. Right. Um, but I can speak a little bit on um, kind of the follow-ups and the strategies in terms of how we actually uh, work leads that come in MQLs. Uh, so that's actually one thing that our team is currently um, driving. Um, and a lot of the times, like when you follow up with a lead who has, let's say, attended a webinar, there's so many different scenarios. So we have leads who just purely want to know more about Asana. Um, and in that case, like what is the right resources that we can direct them to? Um, and at the same time, that also guarantees sales efficiency. So that's one thing. And then there's the lead who has potential, but that also requires a lot of skills um, that actually 
uh, can help that account or that user um, converting from free to paid. They don't know that they have that need yet. So who is the right person and what is the right content and a strategy to even develop that account relationship? And certainly that's probably not SDRs. And there is also the very easier approach where people are like, okay, this is awesome. I'm just gonna buy how many um, seats um, for Asana. So um, right now we're figuring out the flow and the processes that can actually optimize the entire um, workflow. Um, and then our we have an SDR function, and then they are also in charge of um, um, qualify um, the very obvious deals, but also we're also training them to do a lot of the inbound to outbound uh, motion to identify those not so obvious signals. Got it. And maybe so to clarify for, for everyone, correct me if I'm wrong, right? But this is again, like one of the things like outbound for PLG companies, generally means that it's not a uh, contact us request, right? Like outbound, meaning you might be reaching out to an inbound lead, but the uh, message is going outbound from the rep to uh, the person. So that could be reaching out after a webinar or after a product signup. Is that what you consider outbound or is it like outbound, meaning like cold outbound, reaching out to someone who's never heard of or never shown explicit interest in Asana? It's actually the latter, um, at least for now for Asana. So outbounding um, different from follow-ups or mm -hmm. outreaching outbound. We what we mean is to identify those people who don't even know they have a need yet, and how to get there sometimes can be through inbound channels. So for example, you speak with someone who attended a webinar, and then they say, "Okay, I'm already a user, or I actually don't have that need right now." And then how do we identify the people that they actually work with? Um, and then that's almost like cold outbounding in that sense. Got it. So it's almost working. It, to some extent, it's kind of ABM in the sense that you you might have spoken to someone within the account, but you have to figure out who is the actual right person to talk to. And then you're going to start outbounding that person. Correct. Um, that's super interesting. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, how... Um, how has Asana worked on sales enablement? Because you, you folks have a product that can be used in many different ways by many different people, if not anyone could use Asana for many different things. So how do you make sure uh, reps are enabled and have you know the right content for the right segmentation, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have different teams and resources and tools to enable our sales team. Of course, we have our um, product marketing team who um, there's a, a specific pillar on revenue. So their their main responsibilities is to enable uh, the sales team to um, to sell Asana with the right product features and product knowledge. Um, so that's one, and then we have our sales enablement team, of course, and their job is just to enable the teams on everything. So tooling processes and not all that. And then on the marketing side of on the marketing side of things, it's very interesting that we have sales content managers um, for regions. And then their job is to figure out the right messaging in those outreaches, the right messaging in those call tracks um, scripts. Um, so I would say those are kind of the main um, teams and resources. Got it. And and how uh, maybe more operationally does that work, right? How does an SDR know 
what content track or sequence or or whatever to use when they're looking at a specific lead yeah so we actually just went through a series of conversations just around what should our outreach sequences be anchored on so there is a lot of sequences and then what are the most important things um, and then we tried a lot of different things so we tried the approach of having like just one or two um, sequences and then all the SDRs to make um, and some sales team um, AEs to make their lives easier. Um, you just use those sequences. But also, like, there's so many different use cases, so many different teams, and then you can't just like have one, um, uh, a one um, catch all uh, model. And then we tried different things. Okay, that's, that's prioritized by this, that's prioritized by their persona, by their um, Asana usage, by um, their uh, lead scoring. So, and that caused another kind of like a chaos where there's too many things. Uh, I need to know what's the most important thing and which sequence do I drop which leads into. So that's when lead prioritization and process really comes into place. Um, I mean, I work in operations and I do think operations are like the back engine of a lot of things. Um, and then you create a first, uh, first thing, um, a lead view that's actually um, prioritized by the leads that you really want to go after first. Um, and then you create a playbook for the sales reps. Um, okay, how do we really prioritize leads in your day to days? What are the things that you need to do first? Which sequence do you drop these in um, based on what criteria? Um, so that's kind of what we're currently working on as well. Got it. And have you automated any of the uh, the components of what sequence you put someone into? That leads uh, have we, either have like a single field or like because like generally reps want it to be as simple as possible for them. One thing we're trying to uh, definitely that, and also one thing that we we actually haven't really done this yet, but it's more like a, a brain baby for now. We're even trying to explore um, some of the like 100% automation for like leads follow up. So if we say that leads from certain campaigns work really, really well, um, then do we actually need to have SDRs just reach out to them and then have that follow up process? Can we actually automate that process? Um, and there is definitely um, features and tools that we can use to make that happen. Got it. Yeah, because I, I find it, it's, it's one of those constant challenges of when you have, um, like 50 different outreach sequences, right? And figuring out what is the right sequence to put someone into. Uh, it's something that reps can quickly struggle with and will lead them to either pick the first one or not really know, and then can lead to, you know, suboptimal outcomes, I guess, for, for the lead where they're being pitched a use case that potentially isn't the uh, necessarily the most relevant one. Um, and I think one of the things you were mentioning is that for, for Asana, because the, the product can be adopted by so many different people. Um, I think you were mentioning this, right? The journey uh, is very different based on the size of the company, based on the use case you're going for. And it's it's really important to be able to experiment there and figure out what's the right way to, um, you know, send the right message to the right folks. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that's when ops professionals play a big, big role. Uh, we're more data-driven. We know the systems and the tooling and the process is better. Um, so not only improve efficiency, but also uh, driving a lot of times, I think, that strategy part that comes from data. Makes sense. And can you maybe share like one um, recent experiment that you folks have run um, on the like 
sales outreach uh, management, figuring out either channels or messaging, like something that uh, that has or hasn't worked? Yeah, definitely. So we're doing a lot of experiments to figure out what kind of follow-up strategy really works. So a couple of things that we're currently doing. So one thing is we're trying to figure out what kind of personalization we really should do in that very first email. What should that messaging really be? So a couple of things we're testing. One, um, should we anchor the message based on who these people are? Okay, then we have one sequence um, for decision makers um, and what that messaging should be like. And then we have one um, sequence for like the manager level or the executioners um, and how do we really improve um, their, um, their, their work uh, workflows and their collaborations. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other angle is to look at, okay, so um, based on what you have done with us and how familiar you are with Asana, we're just gonna kind of like make a guess here. So we're gonna make the assumption that, oh, if you're a free user, we're gonna sell you the value proposition of some of the features that you don't have now. And that is a very different approach. So um, now we're just like doing A-B testing to see what really works. Um, and there is also a lot of other um, criteria that we can test to make that first email really uh, personalized. So that's one thing. Some other things we're testing is what kind of channels really work well um, for follow-ups, um, emails, calls, LinkedIn messages, what is the right cadence, what is the right frequency, um, and for, for what persona groups. Um, so that's another thing. Anything that like so far early results or anything that was maybe surprising to you in the in the early results of the experiments there? Uh, I'm trying to think there. Um, so, so far, one thing that we have found, uh, which is very interesting, um, is that we're trying to do like a call experiment. I'm not sure if this is actually surprising, um, but we're trying to do like a call experiment. And personally, I think we're still, it's still TBD on the results of that. But now like feedback from this, the, the SDRs are like, oh, I'm not quite sure if this is actually useful. Most of the time it just goes to a <coughs> voicemail. Um, and there's also the original differences where um for some of the people from europe the first question is like where where did you get my number from so i am questioning the how we should utilize um calls um but i think a lot of folks here um probably resonate with that as well or have the same experiences yeah which goes back to what we were mentioning of um how you know we want to make sure that generating maybe like one or two increments in uh, percenting uh, increments in conversion rate doesn't come to the detriment of like tarnishing the the product experience by having people wonder, oh my God, is like is Asana Big Brother just like finding data about me that I'm not necessarily giving, like my phone number or things like that? And it's a yeah, it's a fine um, it's a fine line to walk, which which can be a little bit tricky uh, um, in that context. Um, one of the things that I thought was um, was really interesting in in the setup at Asana is, if I remember correctly, I think you were saying that the the SDRs today uh, are part of the the Mops team. Is that correct? Correct. It, correct. Maybe has that always been the case, or is this something that happened recently? Uh, yeah. So, so. I have never heard of that before, um, but some some context here that can 
uh, help uh, make sense a little bit for everyone here. So we, our SDR motion overall is still relatively new. So we've had that for like a couple of years, uh, one or two years. Um, and then um, to the SDRs, they were following up with leads from a variety of channels. And of course the demos or the trial leads, um, they are just so easy to convert. Um, and then following up with MQLs just haven't really been a priority for them. So what we're trying to do is to figure out what really works for MQLs. And in order to do that, um, and our, our marketing lead is like, um, has this really um, strong um, belief in like innovative, um, sorry, disruptive uh, innovation, where we're just gonna um, start from scratch. And then that's like hire new people who's, uh, pure focus is on MQLs and just to figure out how this how this lead gen motion really works. And that's where the idea came from. So when it's it's not a surprise that some SDRs sit on the marketing team. It's just for our team and where Asana is currently at from a revenue marketing perspective. Uh, we just wanted SDRs to sit on the MOPS team and our role is also not solely on systems or tooling or um, the traditional operational tasks. Uh, we drive a lot of the strategic projects, approaches, driving the cross-function work between marketing and sales. That's super interesting. And so, so it's almost, it, it sounds like the, the use of SDRs to move leads from this, like either like top of funnel or middle of funnel towards the bottom of it is there, it's almost like one channel or one way of doing that is using SDRs to do it. But I assume there's also other experiments where we're looking at, well, if we promote content that brings people deeper in the funnel, or if we get them to sign up, that could potentially also bring them further down the funnel all the way to um, to an opportunity. Um, and so maybe uh, just to, to make sure like on the, um, what is the, I guess like the KPI um, that, you know, the the SDRs are, are focused on is like a standard like opportunity slash pipeline goal. Yes, they have a standard opportunity, number of opportunities goal. Um, and then there is the SDRs quota. And then there is also the overall project or like what we're trying to achieve. Um, and then the goal there is uh, conversion rate from MQL to, um, to SQL. So there's also the component of MQL quality um, and its overall effectiveness um, than just pure number of opportunities. Got it. So that, and, and that means that at the end of the day, the, the marketing ops team as a team, right, has a pipeline uh, generation kind of goal with like both an MQL to SQO, I guess like an MQL volume, and then a pipeline uh, number uh, as a KPI. Correct. So my my personal KR is that conversion rate. Um, and then we also have overall like marketing pipeline goal. Um, and then it makes sense for each original marketing team to have that KPI, but our team um, so the, the marketing operations team, we also have um, a pipeline goal. So there is a conversion and there's also the pipeline goal um, that is the same as the original marketers. Comparing to your time at, at Iterable, like how, how different is this, like having this, or did you already have a pipe, did you already have kind of a pipeline goal uh, in the MOPS team there? Well, so so when I was at Iterable, the company was also uh, a little bit smaller than where it is today. Um, so back then the operations team overall was very small, but 
based on my knowledge so far, the team also has grown crazy. Um, so back then, I think um, marketing had a pipeline goal, but I don't think ops had a pipeline goal. Right. Do you feel like it changes anything in how how you approach your day to day or how you approach kind of strategic initiatives to have that kind of KR that relates to pipeline? 100%. So it's very interesting because ops also are in the room with a lot of marketing and sales leadership on like how pipelines trending um, and then mobs team um, together with revenue operations sometimes are in charge of creating those insights um, and those data, those findings. Um, and that's what we were doing at Adorable. Um, so it's definitely um, a critical role. But now at Asana, when Mobs actually has a KR um, pipeline, you can actually see how things start to change or even during team meetings or discussions, people talk about where we're short um, on pipeline and like how can we actually do and this this is really brilliant in the sense that it also helps us figure out the priorities and what's really important for the business than um, playing a more reactive um, supporting kind of operational role yeah that makes a ton of sense and I guess it also means that when you're uh, I assume when you're kind of calculating the the actual goal for the quarter you also have to take into account the the input, right? So you can't say we're going to have a whatever, like a hundred million uh, pipe goal. If when you look at what's coming in from the demand gen perspective, it just like it's not big enough to to filter to that point. So I guess it also creates that alignment where, as a um, mops uh, team, you it brings feedback to demand gen and say, hey, like if we want to meet this lofty goal, like either we need the quality to go really up really quickly or we need to have more volume coming in so that we can hit that goal. 100%, yeah. So I do think Mobs has a huge advantage. Once you know systems, once you know data, you know where the problem really is. Um, so, and then bring that unique perspective, your own point of view, which is sometimes lacking, um, that is really uh, what's driving impact and also team alignment. That makes sense. Can you think of any downsides to having MOPS own a uh, um, like a uh, pipeline uh, KR? Um, oh, I think you got muted. Um, The technical difficulties are running abundant. Okay, how about now? My just died. Yeah. Um, so downsides of having a mobs team, um, have uh, having a mobs team on a pipeline KR. Right. So there is, of course, the the other responsibilities of a operations team. You support campaign um, execution, there's campaign ops, um, and then there's the system technology responsibilities and all that. All of those are so super, super important. So I guess for the team, you just need to figure out the balance 
Um, so doing some of those core operational tasks really well, uh, and then at the same time supporting those strategies and those um, those bigger pieces. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the it's it's pretty clear that as a, I guess like as a MOPS professional, it should almost be a requirement. To say, hey, let's try as much as possible to have a KR that relates to to pipeline because it just works as a brilliant alignment tool right sometimes we talk about alignment and it seems like a very like meta physical kind of concept rather than saying look it's like the end we need to have revenue and it's like how do we make sure that conversion rates that are expected are within range of reality and that's something that i think you're right mops is very uniquely positioned to understand like having being at the intersection of really like the demand gen side even product growth and then um on the sell side um maybe he's kind of switching gears and talking a little bit about one of my favorite topics is uh seeing how the what I, we call the modern data stack has evolved over time i think we're more and more uh breaking away from the standard like marketo salesforce and that's like all what people deal with and potentially some um you know website personalization tools um be curious to hear a little bit of, like what is the uh what is the data stack that uh, you get to interact with? Maybe where, where does the data live and um, how that's being fed into all the different execution platforms that you use? Yep, definitely. So our um, source of truth is the data warehouse. Um, and that has all the information from product, from all the different routing systems, go-to-market systems. Um, and then we developed um, pipeline in between the data warehouse and each of the uh, go-to-market systems. So we use Marketo and then we also use Agorable for a lot of the, um, the self-serve flow. Um, and then we use Salesforce, like those standard tools. Um, and then for each, um, it, it's almost like there's the center and then between um, each um, go-to-market system, there is pipeline feeding information, product information, all the different types of data um, to each system. Um, and then it also feeds back on um, like revenue information, um, uh, all the different marketing um, campaign information back to the data warehouse. What tool are you using to pipe uh, data from the, the warehouse into iterable slash Marketo? We have an integrations team, so it's a combination of using tool and also we have like engineers developing a lot of them themselves, but the tool we're using is SnapLogic. Okay. Um, and and how, um, how do you kind of um, actually get data in, right? Because they're like, MOPS is typically going to have an idea of what is required from a business perspective. And then may it be the um, like engineering team that's going to build the actual code to push it or the team that's in charge of maintaining snap logic. How, how does that kind of work to make sure requirements are, are passed on and prioritized uh, in a timely manner? Yeah, that's another um, key focus area for the operations team. So MOPs sit, also sit in between business and um, our internal business technology team who builds, develops, and maintains the all the go-to-market systems and top network technologies. Um, so this is also where MOPs comes in with a unique perspective um, and the skill sets where you have to speak both languages. Um, so we have separate workflows. There is the regular day-to-day um, -day workflow where we constantly gather requirements um, to 
optimize and enhance the current systems. And there is also the larger projects that is more like a big rock, um, a bigger uh, requirement or scope um, from the business. Um, and then we are also the driver um, of those projects. Makes sense. And and maybe can you share a tiny bit about uh, why you have uh, kind of two marketing automation platforms, like why Iterable and Marketo with Iterable being more focused on the self-serve side and Marketo on the B2B side? Yeah, so Iterable actually, um, we onboarded Iterable a couple of years ago. So Asana, interestingly, is also one of the very early customers of Iterable when I was working in Iterable. Um, so back then, the use case of um, Iterable is more about uh, email campaigns and customer, um, the user segmentation, and Iterable does have a very strong um, uh, capability in that sense. And then when we were trying to stand up the lead gen motion, there is clearly a need for the traditional um, like a lead gen um, uh, integration or even like um, whether that's HubSpot or like Marketo having like that very direct um, data flow between Salesforce and Marketo um, and the marketing automation platform. So that's when we brought um, Marketo. So, now, to put things in a simple way, I would say Iterable is more like this self-serve, sometimes also supporting product launches um, with a bigger um, database. Um, and Marketo is also, um, I would say, supporting this direct sales business more. Got it. Is, is that because um, Marketo is not able to handle the the load and the volume of the the B2C business? Or is it like you're saying there's like more um, robust segmentation capabilities in, in Iterable than in potentially Marketo? I just yeah, curious like if like what's made potentially preventing from, you know, like consolidating the two. That's actually a really big topic, which is basically what does the roadmap of email platforms look like at Asana? And that's also another very big, hairy project we're trying to figure out. Um, but so far, there is still, I would say, um, just for full transparency, like still a disconnect between a lot of the communication cadence for self-serve versus what we're trying to do um, with direct sales. And oftentimes we still need to make sure that people are not receiving confusing content from different teams. Um, and then data is one side of it. Um, and also there's teams, there's the skill sets. So right now uh, we still think that having two systems for the two businesses is, is the best way to go for now. Makes sense. Um, so we're getting close to the, the top of the hour. So I want to remind people that if they have questions, please post them uh, in the questions tab. And I know I have like two kind of more traditional questions towards the end is, um, so I think one of the topics that you were uh, you were talking about that is a little bit challenging, and I think particularly again in, in the PLG world is um, like, how do you bridge the gap that exists between lead gen and PQLs and um, just curious to hear, like, what, how do you think about bridging that gap over time? Like, small experiments, like tools, people, processes, like, what are things that you're thinking of putting in place to actually bridge that gap? Yeah, 100%. So, from a system and 
some of the traditional dimension process perspective. So I will use the example of scoring. So when we first stood up Legion, and then the scoring model was very, very much focused on purely marketing engagement, marketing behaviors, as well as who these people are, meaning their job titles, their department, company size, all that information. And then we figured out that, okay, let's say this is a really good lead based on these different type of criteria that we have put together, but we missed a key component in that whole picture, which is where are they from like a sauna usage perspective? So there could be a paid user who have the same scoring as someone who is 100% that new, just because they engaged with us through the same channels or the same level of engagement, it doesn't really mean that they are at the same stage for the buying um, um, at the buying journey. So what we're really trying to figure out right now is there is almost three different um, um, three different uh, groups of criteria that we look at, and there is the marketing signals uh, which are important. And I would even say that what's more important is their product behaviors and where they are in that product journey. Um, and there is also who these people are. All of these are kind of related with each other. Um, but I think uh, for a company like Asana, um, it's crucial to think about everything all at the same time. And then you develop a model that really takes each one of those factors into consideration. Right. And, and looking back, kind of hindsight being 2020, right? How much of that issue do you think is linked to um, a kind of like the challenge we often talk about of siloed data, right? Like one of the reasons why scoring is typically built on marketing activity is because if you build scoring in Marketo, you're going to use Marketo data, right? And until you're able to pipe product data into Marketo, which is a challenge of itself, mm-hmm. it, then you're going to use Marketo data. So how much do you think of it was kind of technology driven rather than intentional yeah so there is like um technology and then process and then strategy so my way of thinking is it's actually in that order sorry it's in the opposite right in terms of priorities so oftentimes people don't really know what really is the strategy yet so what are the accounts that we really should go after and then do we have the processes in place and then do we have the systems in place to support that so oftentimes as operations um, professionals uh, we tend to think the opposite okay let's figure out the system first um and then that's because we're marketing operations then let's figure out oh what kind of like attribution model do we really want to do what kind of scoring model do we really want to do and oftentimes we lost at the very very um top um north star thing however um i do think technology it's still a um a big big factor in the whole thing and data silos are no jokes so i think every company probably experiences the same challenges you have data coming from so many different systems or even like that say like marketing and salesforce alone you have like first party data you have third party data and then each process adds a latency to the whole follow-up flow um so how do you really figure out a um a technical flow that actually makes sense, brings efficiency, um, and also serves that North Star goal um, and what system you have in place uh, to make that happen. Yeah. And, and I think I, one thing I, I do want to double down on, I think it's really super important. You mentioned it earlier, and I think there's um, 
there's such a, a challenge created in marketing that is linked to terminology, right? One of the things we, we've talked about today is like PQLs and MQLs. And I find that for some reason, the fact that we call them differently leads people to believe that they're very, very different entities. And I think it's also one of the reasons why we build an MQL model that is looking at marketing activity and a PQL model that's looking at product activity when at the end of the day, they're the same thing, right? It's like trying to figure out which of the users are ready to have a monetary conversation with the entity providing the software, right? It's like, you have money, we have software, let's trade, right? Like when, when are we at that point? And I find like terminology is very often detrimental to the way we think about strategy because at the end of the day, it's like, how do we nurture these leads to the point where they've seen enough value that they're willing to trade capital against additional features or like more users or whatever. And more broadly, I think one of the things we were briefly talking about is even how this PQL concept can be very detrimental to the idea of thinking more holistically at the account level. Right, where at the end of the day, like Asana is selling to companies, not to individuals. And while there might be people that are active in PQLs, like the important thing is like, are we driving engagement within the account to the point where the account can actually yield pipeline? And and I'm curious to like internally, like, do you see that? And do do you find yourself trying to figure out how to either introduce a new terminology to break away from this like very tainted a set of concepts like MQL, PQL, ABM that for some reason means something, even though ABM is account-based marketing, which basically means everything in B2B. Um, so yeah, curious to hear your take on that. 100%. I could not agree more. And to be honest, we have the same struggle as well. So PQLs and a lot of the, the inbound leads that come from demos from the website, those were the, I would say, the predominant driver of pipeline in the past. So even when we were trying to like stand up lead generation and bring this new idea of MQLs and people get so confused by it. Oh, what does that mean? Like I thought we already had marketing leads. So MQLs, so, so that's different from PQLs. Um, and then there is also MQL overall, like it's very interesting. People sometimes think of it as a motion Sometimes people think about it as a funnel stage, and then it has a whole other implication in terms of system build, um, uh, and that's more in the technical world. So I 100% agree with you, and having the right language is, is so critical. All in all, we're just passing you leads that are ready to buy. Um, there are different paths that take. And I think for us mobs professionals, it's also important where we actually start um, that innovation. We start to think about, okay, what language should we use um, and what, uh, what can we bring to the table to actually truly align marketing and sales. Right, and to reduce that complexity where again, it's just like yet another attribute that sales has to think about of like, oh, is this like an MQL PQL or is this like a, like a MQL with this use case or like an MQL buyer or an MQL core user or an MQL admin? There, there's like a lot of uh, complexity there. And I do feel like we, um, we're doing ourselves a disservice as a um, group of marketers by not constantly, you know, rephrasing and be okay with not using acronyms, <laughs> actually using like, the terminology that is maybe more explicit for the sake of, of transparency and, and yeah, and clearness. 100%. Yeah. 
Sweet. Well, I know we're at the top of the hour. I want to thank you very much for uh, all the insights today. It was super, uh, super interesting. And folks, do uh, you know uh, look up Ashley? What's the best way maybe to connect with you if any of the folks here have follow up questions? Yeah, definitely. I think LinkedIn will probably be the best way to do that. Um, just send me an invite, and I'm all always ready to chat more about all the things mobs. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you, everyone. Next week, we have uh, Chrissy Saunders, who's coming on. She's awesome. Also on the, the MOP side with a lot of experience, both on um, the ground directly, but also as currently more of an agency and working with a ton of marketing ops. So I think very transversal uh, experience. So looking very much forward to that. And until then, have a great week. And please do reach out if you have any questions. And we'll see you next week. Great. All right. Thanks, Thank everyone. everyone.